0: As part of its drive to modernize and diversify its workforce, the State Department will add a new internship program to its roster. The Colin Powell Leadership Program will open to college students and recent graduates, and its planners hope, prepare them for long-term success at the State Department. We get more now from the Deputy Director of Talent Services, Beth Shepard. Ms. Shepard, good to have you on.
1: Thank you for having me, Tom.
0: So the State Department has several internship programs. It's kind of a tradition there. Why is a new one needed?
1: The ultimate goal of this internship program is really to develop future civil service leaders who embrace diversity and inclusion as a mindset. Throughout Colin Powell's career and life, he built teams with a diversity of background, experiences, and thought, and he had a strong commitment to continuous learning. Ultimately, this helped him make stronger decisions throughout his career and helped him achieve many great achievements. This program is aimed at learning through Colin Powell's experiences to build strong leadership skills. Through official training and mentoring and on the job experience, our goal is to provide participants with the skills, tools, and resources needed for long-term success at the State Department. This program also supports Secretary Blinken's modernization agenda and winning the war for talent by continuing to build and retain diverse dynamic workforces.
0: It sounds then that as if the people chosen for this program will be, in a sense, predetermined to have potential leadership skills, and then we'll get the types of training and mentoring that can move them up in the department over time?
1: Yes, absolutely. When applicants apply to this program, we're looking for people who have strong academic, cross-cultural and leadership potential. And then we are going to work with them to explore Colin Powell's career, study his leadership lessons, and to figure out how we can actually use those going forward in their career.
0: Yeah, I met Colin Powell a couple of times and quite a a dynamic individual, even one-on-one, definitely a good person to name a program after. So, you're looking for what then? What will be in the application process such that you can assess people that will say, hey, this person can move up one of these days and maybe not 10 years or 20 years, but pretty soon?
1: Absolutely. As part of the application requirements, we're going to ask that applicants submit their transcripts, their resume And a statement of interest, really outlining their leadership potential and experience, because obviously students and recent graduates, they've had ample opportunities to exercise and hone those leadership skills. And they'll be taking part of interviews, panel interviews with the hiring managers and the bureaus to really assess that leadership potential.
0: Are there any particular academic courses and coursework that will come into play? In other words, could someone be studying and majoring in trigonometry as well as in foreign affairs and still have that potential?
1: Management analysis fields do not have the positive education requirements. Foreign Affairs, that field does have some positive education requirements, but it's generally met through some basic classes and coursework, and you can find the courses that are required on OPM's website.
0: And on the diversity front, you know, the State Department has lived with the knock for many years that even though it has diversified in terms of racial makeup and ethnic background, the people coming in, that hasn't filtered up to the highest ranks. Is this what you're trying to at least make a stab at with this program?
1: Sure. You know, I always tell the Global Talent Management Front Office that diversity is a marathon. It's not a spread. So it takes a number of different efforts to get a workforce that is truly representative of all segments of society. But yes, this is one of those efforts that is going to that goal of trying to diverse all levels of the State Department. Reaching all segments of society.
0: We're speaking with Beth Shepard. She's Deputy Director of Talent Services at the State Department. And therefore, you have the challenge of bringing in people that are diverse, but yet not exercising some kind of reverse discrimination practice in getting in people. So how will you go about selecting the candidates with that idea in mind?
1: Of course, with the merit system principles, we cannot make hiring decisions based on protected characteristics. What we're doing is really expanding the recruitment and outreach for this program. We have a great team of diplomats and residents throughout schools throughout the entire United States. We have a very robust talent network. We have employee organizations that we're really leaning into to get the word out about this program. Again, we really want the State Department to be seen as accessible and available to anybody and everybody.
0: And of course, there are the HBCUs, the historically black colleges and universities and the Hispanic institutions and so forth. So I imagine that'll be kind of targeted for making sure they are aware.
1: Yes, correct. We are using our social media and the diplomats and residents to get the message to those schools.
0: And once the interns come in, then what specific channels of work in the State Department will they be assigned to?
1: They'll be working in Washington, D.C. throughout the domestic bureaus, and they'll be working in support of the management analysis and foreign affairs fields. We want them to be in Washington, D.C. to take full advantage of the professional development events that we'll be having and the networking events that we're excited to have a very robust program with lots of training and professional development events.
0: Foreign Affairs, I get, because it's the State Department. Management analysis, what is that all about?
1: (laughs) Management analysis are all throughout the State Department, and their roles and responsibilities are really varied. They're located in every single bureau, and you can be really working on a number of different projects. Really, you're looking at how to better support management and making better decisions and what better program to do this with with a program that's looking at developing skills that embrace diversity as a mindset.
0: And just out of curiosity, because it's a personal interest, the State Department has a large portfolio of, in many cases, historically or artistically significant buildings around the world. Construction is a big part of State Department. Will some of the interns maybe be assigned in that area? That seems like it's sort of management analysis in a way.
1: (laughs) Well, we do have a variety of construction engineers that help with the buildings overseas, and I do agree with you, Tom. We have some gorgeous buildings, domestically and overseas. We are not hiring for construction engineers at this time, but certainly the management analysis could be supporting some of those projects, whether it be, you know, managing the budgets or looking at the data that supports some of those projects and doing some project management work.
0: And in the area of foreign affairs, of course, there's direct diplomacy and, you know, it takes some real doing to be able to reach the rank of diplomat. But diplomats are supported by people that know culture, that know language, that kind of support the projection of American prestige, if you will. And part of that prestige is other countries understanding that we understand them. Is that an area for foreign affairs?
1: Absolutely. We have many different regional bureaus and many people who specialize in certain countries, regions, and cultures. And so we are looking for people who have that type of experience, who can offer expertise in those areas.
0: And after the conclusion of the internships, then will the interns have to reapply or how do they get into State Department as a career?
1: What I love about this program is whether they're coming in as a fellow or an intern, both programs provide a direct path to permanent civil service jobs. And that's what's so critical. Whenever we were developing the program, we wanted to make sure that they had a pathway to long-term employment at the State Department. And this program achieves that.
0: And fellows are postgraduate take-ins and interns are still undergrads. Correct. And then I guess my final question is, what are the timelines here? When does this all get underway and when do you expect to ingest these people?
1: We are launching the vacancy announcement in early October. We are anticipating that it will be open for five days, five business days, and we will go through the whole qualification process of assessing the applications. And then we will refer the qualified candidates to the hiring managers in late October, early November for them to conduct structured interviews. Then they will, um, the selected candidates will go through the security clearance process. Our goal is to have this first cohort on board in early summer 2023.
0: And how many do you expect to be in that cohort?
1: The interns for this first year, we are looking at hiring 10 to 12. And for the fellows, we're looking at hiring four to six.
0: And you probably have 50 hiring managers after them.
1: Yes, we are actually collecting the applications from the bureaus to participate in this program. So not everybody's going to get one, but we're certainly going to try our best to have a full representation of different functions and bureaus involved in this.
0: Beth Shepard is Deputy Director of Talent Services at the State Department. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure.
0: And we'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. After an exemplary career as a former executive at the FBI, focused on policy and strategy, Sasha O'Connell, Ph.D., is guiding future federal leaders as the executive-in-residence in the School of Public Affairs at American University. Sasha joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA to discuss her exciting career, the future of the federal workforce, and the lessons she's learned along the way.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Sasha O'Connell. Sasha is an executive in residence in the Department of Justice, Law, and Criminology at the School of Public Affairs at American University, and spent the majority of her career at the FBI, and most recently as the organization's chief policy advisor, science and technology, and the section chief of office and policy for the FBI's deputy director. Sasha, welcome.
3: Jane, thanks so much for having me, it's a pleasure.
2: Can you give us an example of someone early in your career that motivated you and then, and and how did, what did that look like?
3: Sure, absolutely. So it sounds almost cliche, but it was the dining room table. So I grew up um, with a stepfather who spent 30 years at the Veterans Administration at the VA. And he talked at the dinner table. He started as a social worker and then sort of rose up into management, administration, and leadership. And his stories, right, and his approach really, really impacted me. My mom, interestingly, ended up in a career in public service. She was a prosecutor. She's currently a retired state superior court judge. Um, but she had a big career change also in her 40s. She went back to law school in her 40s. So getting all of that in the mix at a young age at the dinner table really, really impacted me um, in really specific ways.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. My, my father was part of um, the generation that took... Um, President Kennedy's call to action, and he took that to heart, and he went and worked at the Department of Interior and a number of other places in federal service. So it's it's catching when when you're around it. You've held a number of leadership roles at the FBI, which is historically a male-dominated organization. What skills or traits helped you most as you navigated that?
3: Yeah, it's such a it's an interesting and challenging yeah. sort of situation and question. One. Um, you know, making sure that they have what they need to be successful in a tactical way. But then also something I definitely learned at the FBI as I went along is, you know, the importance of creating an environment that is supportive and inspiring. You know, we joke about it, but food has played a pretty serious role um, in my leadership style over time. Um, I learned from great mentors. I worked with Bill Estevez at the FBI who had a full-scale cappuccino maker at his cubicle, right, and would host coffee hour, and you'd see the steam rising across the cubicles. Um, I worked with a a great friend who used to carry hot frittatas for breakfast celebrations on on the Metro, right, in one of those sort of coolie bags. Um, And so I've sort of, I think it's been additive in terms of learning, getting confidence in my approach, and then adding these pieces as I go that I've certainly learned from mentors and colleagues.
2: And clearly you never let anything get in your way. You were mission focused, as you mentioned, and you just got the job done no matter what was in front of you.
3: Well, I wish, I wish. And it was, it was that easy. I mean, I think we had a lot of success. Um, one thing has always been my approach when starting out as a leader too, is to solve near-term problems. I always say sort of deliver short and then you can push them long, right? So we've, we we do not always succeed in those long-term goals or those, you know, sort of blue sky ideas as leaders we want to achieve um, but we deliver on those short-term pieces, right? And you get that buy-in from the stakeholders. And then often you can push toward those bigger dreams, hopes, aspirations, and goals. Um, I would like to say I was 100% on both fronts. <laughs> I'm not sure your characterization is 100% accurate there, but I'll take it um, in, this, in this sense.
2: Looking back, what, what's one piece of advice you might have given your younger self when you first started?
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting today, too, working with students, I get that chance, right, to give my, essentially, my younger self um, advice every day. And one thing we talk a lot about, and I wish I had thought more explicitly about, is really, it's about calibration, right? And so I always think Emerald Lagasse would say, like, a stove has dials for a reason, right? It's not like all hot or all cold. And I think it's the same here. In some ways, in my career, I had to learn to tone it down, right? And to, you know, certainly at the FBI, sometimes you need to take that back seat at a meeting and wait to be invited to the table. And that's really the appropriate way to build rapport, relationships, and trust. Other times, I needed to learn to tune it up, right, to up the volume a little bit. Um, I had a wonderful boss, Dave Schlendorf, who we were in a meeting together with big bosses at the FBI once, and I was working for Dave. And we left the meeting, and we were walking back to the office, and I made a point. I don't even remember what the point was now. And he stopped in the hall and said, why didn't you say that in the meeting? You're not helping me, right? Telling me this now. Now I have to go back and fix this. And I realized, so, well, sometimes you have to tone it down. Sometimes you have to tone it up. And that modulation, that sort of volume control about when to lean in and out, if you will, um, that's, you know, even just thinking about that explicitly for folks starting out, I think is really helpful because it's not one size fits all.
2: Right. I, I totally agree and understand that it isn't one size fits all. And a lot of leadership is